Welcome to the HR Community Podcast. My name is Shane O'Neill, founder of Civitas Talent, the HR and HSE recruitment community. Each episode, we will host HR leaders and discuss their journey and discover best practice HR solutions across the HR industry. Whether you're a CEO, HR executive, or operating across the wider HR space, this podcast is for you. Please like and subscribe, and don't forget to comment and share your views. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to all our listeners to the HR Community Podcast. Very excited to have a special guest on the show today, um, Ross Trigertha, the Chief People and Sustainability Officer at Domain. Good morning, Ross. Morning, Shane. Great to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, just going to pass the mic back over to you, Ross. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about you and, and your role and, and the organisation? Yeah, sure. So I didn't start my life uh, thinking I'd be in human resources. Mm. Uh, I actually went to university for a couple of years and, and studied radiography. Um, so I right. really don't take x-rays anymore. Um, and I dropped out of university given I failed so badly. Um, sure. I then found this career in terms of what I wanted to do and, and returned to university and, and, and did, you know, reasonably well. And I think, so that's probably the first thing I sort of talk about to say is if you're not passionate, you're not interested about what you're doing, um, yeah. you're never going to, you're never going to do well at it. So I've been really fortunate and privileged in my career and, and had some um, really great and, and interesting roles that have led me to domain. So Domain is a property marketplace. Uh, we support a range of different customers in terms of listings from a consumer perspective, uh, agents who are posting their listings to governments, who um, to banks who we sell and, and, and sell data to. And then we also have agent solutions where we are providing um, various different uh, SaaS solutions into agents to help them do their job in, in half the time. And we we also have a domain home loans um, branch as well, so quite a quite a unique set of of um, offerings across the uh, uh, the property lifecycle. Uh, my role is, as you said, the chief people and sustainability officer. So that includes all things people and culture that mm. most people would know, um, including payroll. So payroll sits with me, not with finance in okay. domain, um, which you know payroll can go either way, but it's here. Yeah. Um, with me, um, so learning and development, recruitment, all those things, so business partnering, and then the sustainability side is is essentially um, owning and, and and leading the uh, ESG or the environment, social government aspect, uh, governance, sorry, aspects of um, domains work in in that space. Yeah. I don't do all the work, um, but I certainly am the one responsible to report up into the board uh, in relation to in relation to those matters and and, and making sure we. Uh, get an annual report section out and, and those types of things. Fantastic. Um, and we can come back to some of that sustainability piece um, in a moment. I'm very interested to hear a little bit more about the background, essentially. So so why HR initially? Um, I did see um, your, your sort of journey through um, a lot of media as well from a HR perspective. But yeah, well, why, why HR? Why the transition? So I think I was... Um, not really sure what I wanted to do after mm. uh, dropping out of university from a radiography perspective, and so I went travelling. Um, so I spent two and a half years backpacking around the world, as all good um, young students do. Um, I landed in London. I got a job um, as an administrator in a company, and it was in one of those companies that I got to know the HR team. And yes. I thought, 
yeah, okay, this this makes sense um, to me. I can see the value that this organize uh, the value that this department brings into an organization. Um, so HR is really about supporting a business mm. to be the best it can be through its people. Um, and trying to help people bring their best selves to work and give them all the, the best opportunities in the world um, to, to bring their best self to work and to contribute to the organisation. And I and that, that sparked my interest. Um, and so then I did return to Australia um, and went back to uni and studied human resources. It then followed that I, um, you know, secured a role um, a really in a really interesting organisation in CSIRO mm-hmm. that does a lot of really good work for Australia in terms of its scientific research um and after a period there it was yeah it was time for a change and i yeah. i ended up in the manufacturing part of um of fairfax and have had a a very long career in um fairfax for 11 years having sort yeah. of specific roles in that business which um sort of felt like a new business from almost every year or, or 18 yeah. months because i kept changing t- changing jobs um and then obviously domain was once a business unit of Fairfax um, and it was uh, uh, listed separately on the stock exchange in 2017 and I moved over here in 2018 as their chief. And not just HR, but you would have seen an amazing transformation in in the media industry alone because you would have been down in the trenches. Tell us a little bit about that. I think the, um, I think the really good thing and the thing that I'm most proud of in terms of from a Fairfax perspective and working there is that some bold decisions needed to be made by the leadership um, in terms of the fact that the internet had turned up and the world Mm. had been flipped on its head. So, you know, anyone, um, you know, can really stand on a corner with a camera and take a video of something that's happening. Um, But the organisation recognised the true value of independent always journalism and and really trying to invest in... um, the journalists um, and 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 doing the right stories and and setting the business up for success. So, in terms of working through a transformation project um, that I did at Fairfax, it did allow me to, um, I guess, ultimately have have an impact. It was mm. not an easy project. It was at times an incredibly difficult piece of work to to do because it was absolutely impacting people's lives and mm. people were ultimately exited from the business. Um, but that project did set the organisation up for success and did then ultimately um, lead to the opportunity to merge with with mm. Nine Entertainment to now make, you know, one of the biggest media companies um, in Australia. And I think the 10 years ago, the CEO sort of making some really tough decisions at Fairfax helped set it up for the future. Um, yeah. And I'm really, you know, I'm really proud to have been part of that, part of that process and part of that journey. Yeah. Um, in that respect but yeah it's uh medias are definitely a fascinating industry to work in yeah it sure is and do you think i mean that's quite a unique experience being part of that when companies going through a lot of change and transformation restructures and especially in an industry like media that's that was so consistent over the last couple of years do you think that kind of experience maybe set you up for what a lot of hr practitioners had to deal with through covid because it was a bit unknown and it was happening so quickly do you think that maybe kind of gave you the the tools i guess for the um, for that for that change in what we do as businesses yeah I think the um, I think there's probably there's probably a few things that mm. um, helped me navigate COVID and mm. navigate is the word to use because it was not a easy process 
for for anyone and being responsible for health and safety was absolutely and and domain again super proud of how we put our people first and did take a real people-centric approach Mm. and I think there's probably a few things that helped set me up for for the way I manage that I think one um to have worked in a male dominated industry um of the manufacturing plant of Fairfax printers and and being sort of to your point in the trenches there Mm -hmm. um and and really you know um being able to you know deal with a range of different challenges um there and one of the general managers said to me once if you can do hr at a print site you can do it anywhere yeah <laughs> okay that's a i think that's a fair point and then yeah i think then also um as you say being the change um lead transformation hr person on that pro- big um fairfax of the future project mm. um you know did moving lots of moving parts things changing every day um, did allow me to, yeah, gave me a toolkit of, of skills. I think that that mm. ultimately did come into that to that COVID. I think the thing about managing through COVID is there was no rule book. This had never been done before. There was mm. you, everyone was learning as they went, and you had to really sort of, I guess, trust your judgment and, and trust your and, and and trust your gut a lot of the time. Right. So we did. You know, we made some early decisions before even the government made a decision. So we yeah, made right. a decision. Yeah, so we made a decision early on that anyone who'd been overseas had to stay home and isolate for 14 days before the government did. We did that in sort of late February. Um, okay. Yeah, in 2020. Um, that that did require me to tell three three members of my executive, including my boss, that he needed to stay home for 14 mm. days. Um, and so I think that that conviction, if I can put it like that, um, that it was like, no, this is the right thing to do. You talk about the reasons why and, and that, and you know, he was very supportive. He was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I, I think that's right. I'll stay home for 14 days. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else will stay home for 14 days, right? When the CEO does something, everyone goes, oh, okay. Um, so I think to have that, you know, that person recognise that, you know, decisions were being made for the right reasons and supporting those decisions and and, and being that role model um, also made um, things much um much more straightforward um i think the other thing that you know um domain it was in the press when we did it Mm. in 2020 again um you know the ceo um really did want to avoid us having to stand people down or make people redundant um and so through that period and so he um you know um spoke with the board about an idea um and then the idea was executed um by myself and the chief um, group general counsel, um, where we we went through a process of you know pretty much asking the teams if they'd be open to taking um, a four day uh, doing four days rather than, okay um, and for six months or salary sacrificing twenty percent of their salary into share rights, um, which meant they still worked five days but they were only receiving eighty percent cash. Oh wow, twenty percent was going into share rights. Um, we got that through the CEO kind of selling the dream, I guess, we got that, he got that project up um, and then um, Catriona and I executed that together and what that did do over six months was was um, help us manage our cash cost mm. redundancies and no stand downs. But again, from a kind of leadership perspective, um, the CEO and the board took, you know, a 50% cut rather than 20, um, the executive. Yeah, wow. The executive did 30 and then um, there were some members of staff who, who weren't asked to take a pay cut given they were at the lower end of the earning scale. So that kind of mm. again, that innovative thinking from him and that leadership from him 
actually does make your job as the head of HR incredibly easy. 100%, exactly right. And you touched on a few things there, obviously, the, the sacrifice that some of the leaders made, the, um, you know, let's sit down, let's start making um, a move on this because it was all a bit unknown. Um, so sort of getting getting ahead of the game. And then finally, and you touched on this earlier when we when we jumped on, the people-centric side. So, you know, it's clear that, that people were front of mind um, which is really admirable. Do you think sort of focusing on those three components, and I'm sure a number of other things, um, supported you when we got out of the um, you know lockdown and, and and a lot of the pandemic when it came to what we're currently sort of experiencing now with the war for talent? And you know, there's lots of opportunity out there. There's lots of turnover in some organisations. Did you feel that that kind of um, supported you to retain people? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I've had someone call the great resignation the great marketing campaign, and yeah. I actually I actually agree with that. So I think it's more a great reshuffle. People are moving around. Right. Um, so we have had an, we have had an uptick in, in turnover um, because I think some people just sat still for two years yeah. and, you know, it kind of um, transpired that they move on. Um, we, I think we did garner a lot of, um, whether the words to use loyalty or respect or no actually domain is a really good mm. place to work um and the grass may not be greener um on the no pun intended because our brand is green um, yeah. <laughs> um and i think so i think it did so we did get an uptick in um engagement scores we did get an uptick right. in, in leadership um and that people care you know the leaders care about people at domain so i think there are some people who definitely lived through that um yeah. COVID experience with us who, who do go mm, do I really want to move on? Um, but then I think there are others who have moved on and they've moved on for, for the right reasons, um, whether that be um, where they're at in their career and it's mm. time to do something different. Um, you know, someone's tapped them on the shoulder and offered them a, a lot, you know, more money um, and that's, you know, that's totally okay. Yeah. I do think, I do think though there's um, a need for organisations. You can't just keep necessarily paying people sort of, more money and True. I think and there are you know I think there are some people in the organization who, who genuinely recognize um that people centricity and the way mm. we try and do it we're not perfect but we mm. do generally try um and and that has enabled them to go yeah actually this is a place I want to be so you know I was chatting to someone the other day and yeah. they're like I don't feel like I'm just a number at domain yeah. in the in my previous organization I felt like a number yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah, and it's really it interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's really interesting, especially around the, the salary component. I mean, pay, um, you know, for, as a recruiter, I've experienced a lot of people moving purely for financial reasons. Um, and if that's your motive, um, you know, good on you. But I just don't think it's sustainable long term. Um, and you can see, you know, people are in a new role for six months and they're getting paid, you know, X amount more than they were in the previous organization. But then they miss the culture and the engagement and their manager and you know all the things that make um that give you that satisfaction i guess in in a role and um one of my famous quotes well probably not famous but one of my quotes over the last couple of months has been um you can't put a price on job satisfaction and i think it's been proven over the last few months with people moving you know purely for financial reasons but uh that's another another topic in itself um yeah. look, we, we, we talked about a couple of hurdles that we sort of um we came through over um, the last couple of of years in in HR, and any challenges or or any sort of gaps that you're sort of predicting or assessing um, 
for the for the future of HR Ross? Yeah, so I mean, are you talking about HR as a profession? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Let, let's look at look at it as a profession, and we can obviously uh, build out from there. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think the um, I think the, the the continuous challenge for um, for HR professionals is, and I think it will um, continue into the future, is that ability to balance the needs of the business with the needs of the employees. Mm. Um, and you walk a and you walk a, a fine line. And you you need to know when you need to go into bat for kind of either side of yeah. the um, of the of the um, piece. I often say to people, if you want to be, if you want to, if the reason you get into HR is to help people, you are mm. in the wrong profession. Mm. Um, you should be a nurse. Nurses yeah. help people. Um, HR is really about business success, and through business success. Um, is being dri- is is driven by people success. So mm. how do you help people be successful, and then that ultimately make organisations successful? I do think as well from a um, profession perspective, there's a, a real need to understand risk and mm. manage risk. Um, and so to be able to do that, you really need to understand the business strategy and to and get into the kind of what is the the business strategy, and then you, how do you build the 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 people strategy um, underneath that. People strategy sitting to the side of a business strategy makes no sense and, and your people strategy will fail time and time again because it's not actually fundamental to the business. So you need to understand your context. So if you don't understand your context as an HR practitioner, then you're never going to ultimately be um, as successful as you as you could be. Mm-hmm. I think as well from an HR um, perspective is that the and and I think this is probably not just in HR. I think it's probably across multiple different professions at the moment. It's going back to this great reshuffle. Is that people are so fearful of mm. losing staff that sometimes they make decisions that they may not have made five years ago. Yeah, okay. Either through um, paying someone more money or changing someone's title. Um, and I do think that HR has a barometer measure to play for organisations to not set people up to fail. Mm. So, you know, I've seen on LinkedIn people's, you know, titles changing every five minutes and I'm like, (laughs) oh, wow. Like, seriously, like, um, I would not be, you know, I would not be moving someone through sort of title changes so quickly um, because ultimately the expectation is different. So so if, if, if you're a more junior staff member and you've got a more junior title, people aren't going to expect as much from you and they're going to give you the space to fail and the space to learn and the space to grow. Mm. The minute you put a more senior title on someone and if they're not ready for it, then you're actually doing them a disservice. And I do think HR plays um, needs to start playing a much better barometer role in the organisation of of having really tough conversations with Mm. leaders and saying, what are you doing? What you're trying to do here is save yourself some pain by this person who might be, it might be the right time for them to move on or or go somewhere or do something but you're being selfish by trying yeah. to keep this person here by giving them this grand new title. But actually, in fact, you shouldn't give them that grand new title because you're actually setting them up or giving them some more money because you're actually setting them up to fail. What you should actually be doing is having the right and respectful conversation with them yeah. from a career perspective to say, hey, you've done amazing work for the last two years. You're now ready for your next step. I can't give you that next step. Yeah. And therefore, what I'm going to do is help you find your next step and send you well on your way but you know what in five years you might come back to us having had some different experiences so I think there's got to be a different way of um 
HR should should really start be trying to think about things differently and how do they support the organisation in different ways. Um, and, um, you know, again, people who, if you, you shouldn't be in HR if you want to be liked by everyone. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, you're always going to upset someone and you've got to be okay that you upset people. Mm. Love that. It's, look, it's great advice. And I would say, particularly on that point of um, individuals putting their hand up for, you know, uh, a bigger role or maybe a role that they're not ready for yet. So, so crucial to have that conversation with them now. And like you say, if if it's said in the right way and you sort of set them up for success elsewhere, the likelihood is that if that said role, senior role comes up in the future, that they may come back. But it also creates that kind of professional relationship where, okay, that person's been honest with me. They've been open with me. I'm not ready for it here or it's not available here. And I can go and, and, and explore it elsewhere. Because I've, I've seen that, especially from a recruitment perspective, speaking to candidates, where people have, um, you know, in, in, in full transparency, outstayed their, their welcome um, in some regards because they've stayed, they've been promised stuff um, or they've been given the, the title that they were seeking. Um, but then the stakeholders in the wider business aren't happy with the performance and it never ends well. It never, it ends, never well. ends well. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of my uh, HR colleagues gave me a, an interview question to use once and I, yeah. I use it every, I use it all the time now and it's, it's really, um, so I can't take credit for this question, but I absolutely use it yeah. um, when I'm interviewing leaders and I, it is when you um, think about all the direct reports you've had, think about someone whose career you helped grow Mm. where are they now if I looked them up on LinkedIn and if I called them what would they say about you I love that really really yeah, it's a great question and really good leaders should be able to give you four five six seven eight nine ten examples um depending on you know how many direct reports they've had over the years where they can say oh yeah this person's now x at, at y um if you rang them this you know they would talk about how great I was how I grew their um, grew their capability how I helped you know develop their career and and um and so I think that, you know, that's a sign of really good, that's a sign of really good, good leaders. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like that question. That's a great one. And I'm sure yeah, a lot of people good. are going to start scribbling that one down for future interviews. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> um, Belongs to Nikki Brown. Nikki Brown. Thank you, Nikki. Um, Ross, a couple of last questions for you. So um, some of our listeners include upcoming or aspiring HR leaders. You know, what would be the advice that you would give some of these um, aspiring or, or to be HR leaders? And I know we touched on this a little bit in our last conversation, but, um, you know, what, what would be your sort of top three tips for, for any aspiring leader looking to, to work their way up through the, the, the HR letter? Um, always say yes. So if something is if an opportunity is provided to you, um, always say yes and take mm. those take those opportunities. Genuinely try and do different things. Um, mm. And so yes, whilst I spent eleven years at Fairfax, I was incredibly mm. fortunate to have almost six different jobs in that time. Um, so experiencing different projects and and doing um, different different things. The ability to um, as I like to say, you know, stay stay the course or hold the line, um, and not be. The way I describe it is this: in an organisation, your HR team is your family, and the business are your friends. And sometimes you're going to piss your friends off. Yeah. 
but but you know that you always have the support of your family. That's so right. it's really important from an HR practitioner perspective to make sure that their family, so their peer group and their HR cohort are in their camp and in their, you know, are, you know, there for them um, because the, the broader business of the friends and mm. sometimes um, and so the relationships within the um, making or having really good relationships with your HR colleagues is really, really important because ultimately they're, they're your support crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing in terms of from an HR practitioner wanting to be an HR leader is, again, you know, you can use different analogies, but someone gave me this analogy was um, if you think, um, you know, if you think about a, a Formula One race car, right? Yeah. I'm, not into, well, I'm not into racing, but it's a really good example of where if you think about it from that pit crew perspective, mm-hmm. everyone has a part to play. Right. in that pit crew and those cars get in and out of that pit like within 30 seconds or more. seriously yeah and that's because everyone knows their job and everyone works really well together um and so you know i have i mastered this absolutely not so i think also a little bit of humility you're never going to be a perfect person all the time mm. no one's superior to anyone else and go okay yeah i made a mistake i stuffed up on that moment and and how do you kind of move forward from that is also, I think, really important from an HR leader perspective. Amazing. Yeah, definitely accountability piece there as well. Um, love that. Um, look, uh, thank you so much for your time. Just a couple of very quick questions for your ask, just as we wrap up. Um, and some of these questions I like to do with every guest. Most influential person? In my life? Yeah. I, I'm going to have two. Okay. Um, I would say that my... Boss at Fairfax Media was mm-hmm. incredibly influential over me in terms of how she grew, supported, developed me. Um, you know, from a from a pro- uh, professional perspective, um, he passed away in two thousand and nine. But my father, because now I look at myself in the mirror and go, "Oh my God, you are your father." Um, and so he clearly had influence over me because I have turned into him in some aspects of my life. I uh, love that. Uh, best lesson learned: It's okay to fail. Yeah. So walking away from university as a university dropout, I'm really proud of that and I love to tell the story because it's okay to fail and move on in life. Yeah, absolutely. Office, work from home or hybrid, what's your preferred model? I hated working from home before COVID. During COVID, I learned to love it. So I'm now I'm now a hybrid worker. I'm, yeah. I'm in and out. Same. I love it. Who do you inspire? You'd have to ask other people that question. I've got no idea. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll find out once we uh, once we publish the episode. Um, what frustrates you, Ross? Oh, the that's. I try really hard not to get frustrated, mm. um, but I think probably one thing that does frustrate me is when I is when people don't meet or do things that I think they they should do Mm. so i i like to think i'm an incredibly generous person and when when i when other people don't return that generosity that's a little bit frustrating yeah 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 now i may not be as generous as i think i am so that's the other point yeah well again we'll probably hear once the episode's posted (laughs) um assuming you are mentally focused how do you keep mentally focused i haven't done it for a couple of weeks so i may not be as mentally focused today but, but on a Sunday night, I go swimming and it's like this kind of meditation yeah. sort of, and it sets me up for the week. 
but yeah. I haven't been for a couple of weeks thanks to travel and COVID and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, that's my, um, yeah, that's my. Yeah. Love it. There's something so therapeutic about the water. And the last question for you, because it's a hot topic at the moment. Um, where or, or when are you uh, going on holiday? What's your tri- uh, dream uh, retreat? I have one goal in life, and that's to go to as many countries as possible before yeah. I die. That's my purpose. That's why I come to work. Yeah. I, I've i just been to Fiji, which is country 80. Um, and so um, the next one is is yet to be determined because I'm taking my nephew on a holiday, so he and I need to have a conversation. Yeah, 100%. Did you say 80 as in 80? Wow. 80. That's amazing. That's a lot more than I've done. Um, and I call myself a traveller, so... <laughs> Uh, well, look, hopefully next time we catch up, um, I'll have a better idea of uh, number 81, Ross. Thank Indeed. you so much for, for jumping on uh, this morning. Oh, look, some great insights there. And um, I'll let you get back to your, your busy day. But uh, thanks again for jumping on. No worries. Thanks, Shane. Great to chat. You're very welcome. All the best. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the HR Community Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe and share your views and comments below. This podcast was brought to you by Civitas Talent, the HR and HSC recruitment community. Whether you're a candidate looking for a new role or organization looking to secure brand new talent for your team, please get in touch with us today. Thank you.